Hi, I'm Jules Hamilton, and this is the Good Summer Podcast, Keeping It Good. It's a chance for all of us to hear stories of people making a positive change in the world. The Good Summit is a space of gathering to celebrate common good in the world and to cultivate more of it. Join the Tribe of Good by signing up to our mailing list at thegoodsummit.com and learn where our latest gatherings are taking place, who is going to be there, and how you can get involved. Help us help you make the world a better place. Amy Louise is one of the most impactful young female social entrepreneurs in Ireland. She is a graduate of Trinity College Dublin and the University of Amsterdam. And now she is the CEO of the company she co-founded, Keep Happy. Following a long history of mental illness, Amy almost took her life on the bridge beside her house in 2017. However, her life was saved by a helpline volunteer and her beautiful dog, Aura. Since then, Amy has been on a mission to provide access to preventative care for the two in three individuals who are suffering from a mental illness but will never seek help. She is determined to stop anyone else from walking up onto a bridge like she did. Her work with Keep Happy has garnered awards and recognition, but more than that, it has brought support, understanding and education to many people suffering alone. We are proud at the Good Summit to be connected with Amy and her amazing work, and we're delighted she is with us today to chat. Amy Louise, welcome to the Good Summer podcast, Keeping It Good. It is wonderful to see you. It is an absolute pleasure to be here today on this beautiful day. How are you getting on today? Do you know what? Uh, I, I can see, I know that people are only listening and that's really sad for them because I can see you and you've got a, a, this amazing light coming in. I don't know what you're saying, but you've got a big window there. <laughs> yeah. And I've got one just in front of me. I'm actually sitting in my apartment in Trinity College and I'm looking out the window and there's trees and there's clouds on a blue oh, sky. Which, <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. God, I know. It makes all the difference when we can get this, this sunshine. We're coming now back into spring and summer and I think it's something to look forward to. A bit of new life. There's a the uh, you 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 know Trinity well, but uh, yeah. you know all of those. Uh, what do you call the lovely trees? The, blo- oh, the Canadian maples. No, 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 no. The ones that blossom. The um, oh, the cherry blossoms. The cherry blossoms. They are just beginning gorgeous. on campus at the minute, oh. which is gorgeous. Oh, uh, it makes so, so the difference. I love when you see it down on the Campanile and everything. Yeah. Oh. You're making me want to go outside and walk around now. But Good, no, that's what you should be doing. <laughs> <laughs> I will after this. Talking to you is what I'm excited about and what mm. I should be doing. Amy Louise, award-winning social entrepreneur, champion of mental health, uh, championship uh, of female entrepreneurship and female mm-hmm. tech. It is... It's delightful to have you still involved with the Good Summit. You've been a, a, a keynote speaker for us and your message has been so important. Can you remind us or tell us a little bit, first of all, like we'll get on to Keep Happy, uh, mm-hmm. which, which is uh, really your baby at the minute and uh, yeah. such an incredible startup and growth there. But before we talk about that, just tell us a little bit uh, about yourself. Who are you, Yemi? <laughs> 
So uh, my story is quite funny because I never thought I'd be speaking at something like the Good Summit or if it involved in business. I hated business when I was younger. I was a champion of activism and social change from a political perspective. I studied politics. I was interning at all the top level institutions and working there. But I then got sick and that was really the start, uh, starting point for my company. But I really struggled with my mental health. And for about a year, I had to give up work. And I wrote a letter to the Department of Health every single day an email every single day for a year and they didn't respond not in a way that was with enough change or activism or or doing the things that I believed could work and and that's what led me to business and social entrepreneurship and and creating change in a public way and creating change in a tangible way and doing it in in a way that really impacts people and and that's really what led me to where I am today. Wow so um, where are you from, by the way? Are you a Dublin, Dublin girl? Dublin, yeah. yeah. So um, you're in Dublin. You've been educated in Dublin. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you working or were you still a student whenever you took out? Yeah, so I had worked a little bit, but I pretty much graduated my master's. And that's when I got quite sick. I was studying in Amsterdam at the time. and Amsterdam? I, yeah, so that's where I did my master's okay. in politics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... I got sick pretty much the December. It started the December in the middle of my master's. Mm-hmm. And then I started working and I just couldn't keep going. Mm-hmm. I was just mm-hmm. too unwell. So unfortunately, that was, that was well, fortunately or unfortunately, it was a pretty dark time, but it meant the start of a whole new adventure. So take me back to those letters, those emails. What, <laughs> what made you go, hang on, uh, I'm not feeling well. This is taking longer than it should to get better or longer than I wanted to. And so I'm going to contact the government. Yeah. So really? I was I was getting help. I was yeah. do, like in a much better while well, I was in recovery, but I had a disorder. So I have a PTSD mm-hmm. and I also have epilepsy. And the epilepsy mixed with the PTSD created a new type of epilepsy. So oh, wow. you can have neurological epilepsy and you can have psychological epilepsy. So psychological epilepsy is like seizures induced by trauma or anxiety or, or different things. And I was, okay. the, the reason I got so sick was uh, the PTSD and the seizures started to manifest. So I spent that whole year while I was sick, emailing the Department of Health about the current situation of the neuropsychology wing in Beaumont. And I was on a one woman mission to improve the neuropsychology wing because it's the only one in the country. And I was very disappointed by their lack of action. So that's why I decided to do something to help people with neuropsychological epilepsy. And Yeah, so, wow. First of all, thank you for educating me. I never knew uh, there was yeah. that form of epilepsy. And did you say then that that kind of wing of Beaumont was the only kind of place in Ireland where that was being uh, yeah. handled and treated? Yeah, I mean, this, was, this kind of is really about the activism that I've always felt about wanting to change yeah, the world yeah. where this there's prefab it was located in prefab right beside it was on the at the back of the hospital and the team in there are phenomenal but it was just it was it was a really old building or, or structure and uh, it's such a specialty condition but the thing is it's actually quite common neuropsychological or psychological epilepsy affects a lot of epilepsy patients 
but they get misdiagnosed often for up to 10 years. And epilepsy patients are incredibly expensive. So misdiagnosis of epilepsy from a neurological or psychological perspective ends up costing our government so much money. So I was trying to do this big advocacy campaign, trying to educate GPs about the difference between epilepsy from a neurological and psychological perspective. And that's when I got very fed up with the government. (laughs) That's incredible though. Yeah. Like I I love, uh, but, but I love that you had this you had an activist bent. You were all about, obviously, if you're studying politics, you were all about the, the politics. Did, did you want to become uh, a member of government or something, by the way? No, was that part I, of your dream when you were a teenager? No, I was more about uh, the United Nations Brilliant. and conflict resolution and saving the world. <laughs> okay, well, listen, living and being brought up in the island of Ireland, what on mm. earth is there ever to learn about conflict resolution or or positive change and, and all of that sort of amazing work. That's really interesting. So you had that background and that passion and then mm-hmm. uh, you took ill and, and however it worked within you, you were like, okay, I'm not well. I can see where there needs to be improvement. And rather than just kind of sit back and go, okay, that's really terrible, you decide, even in the midst of being not well, to start lobbying the government and GPs at a national level. Yeah, I I did have a few days, well, quite a few days where (laughs) I was pretty miserable and feeling very sorry for myself and hating the world. But uh, yeah, I I think my my grandfather, he he always was passionate about creating change. And I think that really, really was passed down to me. You know, my my cousin is uh, leading the useless campaign. So the use less campaign, which is a huge uh, environmental initiative. Uh, I have another cousin who's worked with the United Nations. Like it's, it's quite a family business to be really passionate about creating change. It's almost like uh, you became prophetic there as well, because my next question was, where does that sort of drive come from? (laughs) You know, because like even even in the midst uh, of, of your own illness, then as soon as you're beginning to get it together, you're you're looking around and you're seeing where something needs to be done, and you're just deciding yeah. to do it. Well, it, it was I'd actually say it was kind of a twofold thing. I, mm-hmm. I've always been a very determined and passionate person about changing the world, uh, but it was by demanding change and having that flame reignited in me that also helped me recover you know the world health organization defines mental unwellness or mental health mental well-being as you know you have the mental and psychological health or well-being the ability to manage and, and maintain stability during stressful or stress or low mood times but also at the end of the definition it says being able to give back to the community that is part of the definition of mental health. It's being wow. able to give back. And I think giving back is something we don't talk enough about as such a powerful thing for our own psychological well-being. Because by giving back, we are more than just individuals. We are part of change. We are part of something bigger than ourselves. And that's so healing. Like being able to fight and, and make a difference, even just a difference for one other person, has has helped me in ways that my doctors who are amazing and medication which is amazing was never able to do so it's it's an interesting journey and do you know what that is fantastic that is one of the bottom lines for the good summit you yeah. know if people say tell me what the good summit is in one line i often just say we're better together absolutely you know? 
as humanity, we are better together. Uh, and I hadn't realized that uh, about those definitions of mental well-being, actually, mm-hmm. that it's not just an individualistic thing. Yeah. It's actually we we help each other I'm be the sense. best that, that, that we can be. Yeah. Um, and without each other, we, we're just not cutting it. Do you think, here's a more difficult question, putting okay. like, well, no, I'm just like, I'm thinking out loud now, but kind of yeah. given with the last decade, the last five science that says we are better together. Mm-hmm. Whenever we are with and for each other, we are healthier human beings, Absolutely. which then like makes politics work better because we're healthier mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. for all sorts of reasons. Have you been able to, to bridge those connections yet in your own working life, kind of the, the, the political passion and all this mental health advocacy now that you're working in? Yeah, so I haven't really taken much of a, a political stance really um, or uh, delve into the political world. There are people who are much better at lobbying than I ever could be. But I also felt at the time and I still do feel a little bit alienated as many millennials do actually by the Irish and political system the Irish political system I'm actually more engaged with the EU political system I think there's more opportunity for evoking change and and creating mandates at a international level when it comes to mental health because you know the situation in Ireland isn't the greatest so when it comes to mental health there's very long waiting lists it's quite underfunded you saw many psychologists being forced to work in offices over the last year when we're in the middle of a pandemic and and there's just a lot of uh, there's just a lot of discrepancies within the mental health context of Ireland but I think when we can learn from other EU countries or learn from other countries or try to work together, again, this community component to figure out a strategy that works and, and works for others, I, I think that's what really excites me. So I've spent a fair bit of time looking internationally and working with groups abroad. So I actually set up with a, a group of uh, the top mental health helplines in the world, the Yellow Pages for Mental Health. We, we created it during the height of COVID in the US or the start of it to create this Yellow Pages resource that could direct people to help straight away because that was lacking. And you, then you look at Russia and they only have one helpline in the whole state of or whole country of Russia. They only have one mental health helpline. And then you look at Ireland and we have amazing organizations and amazing uh, organizations, sorry, like, you know, we have Samaritans, we have the student-based organization Nightline, we have like the Dublin Rape Crisis Center, and then we even have the institutions like St. Pat's. We have, you know, all of these amazing groups are focused and working together. And it's just about bringing that bigger picture and the local picture and combining them. Can I ask you a little bit of the science behind that? Why are we better together? Why are people happier? Why, do our, why are our brains happier whenever we're yeah. not alone? Well, it, so I actually contradict that. It depends on the person. Uh, some people uh-huh. are better with more time alone, but you do still need a little bit of interaction. So the science behind it, while you know some people do need time away just to heal and, and to shut down and unwind mm-hmm. all of us do you're right need that social even a little bit of social interaction mm-hmm. and i think and i'm not entirely sure of the exact science behind it but i think we are animals you have to go back to the animal brain 
mm. and and the science there and and how we have evolved into communities. Yeah. That's really yeah. the big thing yeah. that made um, humans evolve so much rap- more rapidly. We could work together as a unit when many other groups couldn't. So I think that's a really exciting thing that we have carried through to today, that we need to work as a community. And it's it's maybe back then it wasn't about helping each other, it was just about surviving, but it's about yeah. really coming together and, and working with one another. Do you know what? You took me right back to uh, one of, uh, and I've done this a few times, uh, like I take groups to Palestine and Israel on, on peace engagement initiatives. And one of the places that we go uh, in the West Bank is um, is down by the, the Jordan River and mm-hmm. uh, by the ancient cities of Jericho. And actually, yeah. Jericho is, and I've taken photos of it as close as I can get to it, but there is a wall there or a building that they say is 10,000 years old, which is really at that kind of turn of civilizations whenever mm-hmm. humans began to do what you just explained. And it was like, do you know what? If a few of us come together and we grow some things that are good for all of us, then we could share them and we can protect each other. So that kind of need to kind of do some sort of um, planting and working the ground together in a way that would sustain more than one person rather than just foraging for yourself. And that, I, and that you know, the first thing they did in the settlement, apparently, the anthropologists will tell us, is, is build a wall around it to protect it. So <laughs> isn't it really interesting? As soon as there's an us, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a them out there. Yeah. Uh, but, but really, I love standing in that space. I love standing on the ground and just thinking, like, this is one of the first places on the earth uh, wow. where, where humans decided maybe maybe we're a little bit better together. Maybe we can grow stuff and feed each other and look after each other. So, yeah, you just, you sent me straight. I was standing beside <laughs> that building. That's uh, again, Yeah. This podcast is proudly supported by the amazing folks at Thought Collective, a team of designers and developers who create brands and digital products to captivate the crowd and communicate effectively. They make the Good Summit look great. Check them out at www.thoughtcollective.com. Let me bring you forward then. Mm-hmm. Um, I first came across you whenever we met. Uh, you, you brought a stall to the Good Summit at first, and, yeah. and it was the Keep Happy stall. Who, who or what is Keep Happy? Tell us the story. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, as we mentioned, I was quite sick uh, with PTSD and I was going through this uh, very severe psychological epilepsy. I was having 30 seizures a day at one point and I I very much reached rock bottom and I walked up to the Dundrum Lewis Bridge and attempted to take my life. And that was a, a really pinnacle turning point. It was, mm-hmm. it was, mm-hmm. it was a very dark moment for me. And during my recovery afterwards, sitting in that prefab out in Beaumont with my neuropsychologist and, and then later my subsequent psychologist talking about the PTSD and talking about what led me to crisis mm-hmm. made me really learn so much about the stigma around mental health. Because, you know, we all learn about physical health in school, through PE and through biology yeah. Yeah. And no one had ever taught me the proactive or preventative skills 
to manage my mental health. It was only when I reached crisis that I even learned that, you know, there were things like journaling or mindfulness or goal setting could all really help me. And that was when I got very angry. There's a lot of anger in the story. I'm a very motivated person by my anger. And do, you know, do you know what? I, you know, again, people can only hear, they can't see, but I can see your face as you're telling this story and it's, it's really motivating. So it doesn't look angry. It looks like you've got a story to tell and it's an important story. So yeah, yeah. Keep, keep sharing. So, so I basically turned around and realized that, you know, I could do as much as I could and things weren't moving quick enough for me. I'm a millennial. I want the answer now from the political side. So I wanted to see what I could do for the public. I wanted to kind of create a social campaign or talk to people. And at the same time, I was also looking at apps. I'm a millennial. Literally all I do is look at apps and (laughs) websites. And there was nothing really that went beyond meditation. And I was told that meditation didn't work for me um, with PTSD and borderline personality disorder, which I both have, uh, there is actually quite dangerous to engage in meditation in an unsupervised way. So I was trying to find... Why is that? Can you explain that? Yeah. So meditation is phenomenal if it works for you and if you're trained to do it appropriately. So if you have anxiety or an anxiety-driven disorder, sitting and just trying to not think can often cause you to spiral. So by forcing yourself not to think, you start thinking and thinking and thinking and suddenly you're in this whirlwind of your own brain and you're spiraling. And and that's what kept happening to me. And uh, that's when I decided to go out and build my own app. So you met me, you're absolutely right, at the Good Summit. Is I was in a stall in the, I think it was the exam. Exam hall, yeah. 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 And I, I met so many cool people that day. That was the moment I was just like, this is, this is the best thing ever. But uh, we, uh, I was doing a master's, <laughs> I was doing a master's in entrepreneurship in Trinity. And I think that's how we were connected. Uh, they knew I was doing a lot of work in health and obviously the Good Summit focuses on health. And that was really when it began. And what began? Keep Happy. So Keep Happy is a wellness app. So it has 10 different features, everything from journaling to goal setting, gratitude. It's all there. And the point of it is to be that gym for your mental health. It's proactive. It's preventative. It's about engaging users who are not mentally ill. It's about engaging people who just want to take care of their mental health mm-hmm. and to be proactive about it. And, and you know, it's been an extraordinary journey since that day in the hole because yeah. we've gone on to such extraordinary things since then. Like what a phrase you just used. Like you said that before, gym for your mind. Is that what it was? Yeah, gym for your yeah. brain? Gym for your yeah, mind? Yeah, gym for your mental health. And, and so what are the, uh, so what are the things? So you mentioned a few of them there. Journaling, mm-hmm. I've heard about. People remembering who they are, what they've gone yeah. through, setting, you know, setting goals, writing them down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that stuff. I love writing stuff down I'm really yeah. bad at going and reading it again oh, <laughs> like I, I need to is it is, is, is part of the idea not to like flick back and look and remind yourself or is it just yeah. literally the well it depends on what works for you so if you're okay. quite a descriptive person so you like the flowery language I love flowery language and writing out everything it's about putting the chaos in your mind the emotions the thoughts the, the world and putting it out on pen and paper to kind of structure it, to understand it, even just to kick it all out of you, like word vomit it out of you. That, that's yeah, a really good yeah, form of self-therapy yeah. because you're, you're getting all that 
stocking. Chaos, or, yeah. yeah. And you're just right. throwing it out there. Uh, with with building lists, there's so much evidence to say that writing lists is just great dopamine and endorphin rushes. That feeling of striking something off the paper. It is no. so powerful. It just makes you feel good. Amy Louise, I am like, I, on Myers-Briggs, <laughs> I am the least list person that <laughs> And, and But you know what? It's interesting. The older that I get, the more I know I need them. And, <laughs> you know, don't tell my wife, uh, but, you know, you're probably <laughs> I'm getting used to lists and order and all of that really helpful stuff. Yeah, but it doesn't work for everyone. And, and like that was something that I learned really early on that meditation didn't work for me, but it's been amazing for other people. Yeah. And, you know, when you go into a gym, you don't use every piece of equipment in there. You, right. you use the ones that work for you or that you like. And it's the yeah. same with your mental health. When you go yeah. in there, you know, you don't need to do the mindfulness if that doesn't work for you. You can do gratitude or you can do goal setting. And, and you know, it might not work for someone else, but maybe it works for you. I haven't heard that. No one has explained it to me just like that. You walk into a gym, you don't use every machine. Oh my goodness. Yeah. How straightforward and simple and right are you in that? That's yeah. brilliant. So I love meditation. You know what? That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's my professional life. You yeah. know, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I was taught to pray at university. I've got a degree mm-hmm. in that stuff, you know, so I can, and I, I, uh, I love reflection. I love meditation. Mm-hmm. I love stillness. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a complete extrovert. So you were talking a little bit and some about the introvert, extrovert earlier on. Yeah. I'm a complete extrovert, but I need more introvert time as well. Yeah. The more extrovert yeah. I'm being, the more like just Same back time. off and take a walk on a beach time I need. Yeah. Um, but I suppose I've never kind of maybe it's just very selfish of me. I always kind of thought that what worked for me should work for everybody. But that's just not true. No. you got to find yours. Do people people have to find their own way in mental Mm -hmm. wellness? Yeah, and and this is a huge part of the stigma around mental health. Like, I'm completely susceptible to it that people don't look until they reach crisis. They don't look until they reach that super stressful period where they're a deadline at work where college exams and they're they're overwhelmed and and that's when they try something hoping it'll cure them when it's a bit like physical exercise where you need to build up this mental fitness you need to build up these tools and techniques yeah excuse me so if you do reach a stressful time you can manage it but really it's about trying what works for you. So it's trying different things for a week or two and seeing if they actually work and, and just going from there. Incredible, incredible advice. Thank you, Emily Louise. Uh, let, me, um, let me say, um, okay, what a journey, what a story. And now you've taken us to this place of an incredible app. Lots of people have ideas for apps. Lots of people create stuff. What has happened or what did, what did you do to actually make, to make it so successful? Yeah. Why, why or sorry, keep happy become the amazing thing that it has? Yeah. So it's kind of funny. It's, it's really the partnerships we created. So keep happy mm. is a social enterprise. So mm. the way we work is everyone who subscribes to our app, we donate a lifetime version to different communities and, and disadvantaged groups to provide them the app for free and to provide their clients, customers, or not customers, their clients, or the people who need those supports, they get the app for free. So we work with uh, 
for example, uh, LGBT homeless communities, youth homeless mm-hmm. communities in California. We're working with the traveling community here in Ireland. We're working with lots of different organizations to get the app out for free. And that's really created a local support network where people hear about us organically. And that organic growth has been huge to us because we've done very little digital marketing. And all this conversation about us being more than just a wellness app. We're, we're doing and saying more than anyone else's. We're actually trying to fix the problem of mental illness in, across wow. the world. And that's like, we really haven't been marketing. And now we've reached 130 countries and we're doing this amazing thing, creating these community level initiatives to create growth. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're, you're in a, you have, people on your app in 130 countries. Yeah. There are only like 130 countries. Like that's like (laughs) almost every country in the world. There's over 200. Really? Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get to over 200 at some point. That's 130 countries is incredible. And it's, we've only marketed in five. So really, no, really, it's (laughs) all been organic. It's people talking about us online and saying, these guys are legitimate. They're authentic. They're actually trying to help people who are struggling with this. So, yeah. And so how many users do you have? Do you know, like, do you, do you count by downloads or how, yeah. do you, how do you measure that? So we've had, we're nearly at 100,000 downloads. Yeah. Wow. So it's been exciting. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, what's the future for Keep Happy? Yeah, so we realized very quickly on in lockdown that it was important to us to stay true to that social enterprise model of making mental health care accessible to everyone. That's our mission statement. We are on a mission to make these tools accessible. And we realized with lockdown, a lot of job instability was going on. Ireland has been pretty fortunate to have more or less... uh, consistent job stability while some people have lost their jobs there are opportunities for them to be okay and and we felt that that wasn't an opportunity that many other countries got um so we ended up cutting the prices on the app pretty much cutting it in half making it as cheap as possible we really bought everything down so then we were in this problem as many social enterprises face where you're trying to do good you're trying to create as much change as possible but you also want to make your solution impactful to the people who need it so we then realized that we were running out of money and we started working with businesses and it was really exciting it was like this perfect moment where we'd been quite nervous to go into the business world and enterprise world because we were worried that the corporates at a top level didn't really believe in mental health. They didn't really care. And they were just doing it to tick some box. But then we started working with really cool companies. And I think because of lockdown, they realized how important employee mental health is. Uh And that suddenly changed over the past year where people are so passionate about making sure their employees are doing okay. They see the financial benefits of making sure employees are okay. Because I don't know if you know this, but mental wellness costs the U.S., $2.2 $2.2 trillion a year in worker on wellness. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Just mental health. $2.2 trillion. Trillion. And in Ireland, it's €818 Euro a year per employee in wow. worker on wellness. Yeah. What, so what we does start, that add up to? Do we know? Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. I don't... I saw Somebody got the calculator out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a really expensive so, problem. Yeah. Like, and, that's... Um, for a lot of people, that's almost a month's salary. That's, that, that's, that's not too much less than the average 
industrial wage in Ireland. Absolutely. And, and that's when we realized that we could work with corporates, highlighting that if they took care of their employees, it would help their bottom line because they wouldn't yeah. have to spend this money. And also we could actually make a real difference for employees and help communities. Because if we could help an employee in the workplace, they might bring those lessons home to their family. They might educate their children about yeah. mindfulness and gratitude. And we yeah. saw this butterfly effect occurring. Um, yeah. So about the future of Keep Happy, it's really to keep growing, to keep making sure we're doing the right thing at all the time. Uh, we want yeah. to keep making sure that we're making mental health care accessible and speaking about it and talking about it. Yeah. And then hopefully staying alive. We're a startup, yeah. so that's the fight. we got to yeah. stay alive. Uh, what, three years now? Four years? Yeah, three. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, tell us about Melinda Gates. Yeah. So is it's, this, it's just like, tell us about your mate, Linda? <laughs> Melinda? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's... Honestly, this like 2020, although it was a terrible year, uh, it was really extraordinary. Um, so we ended up being the only non, well, uh, EMEA, so European, Middle East and North African startup in the world, mm-hmm. or Amina selected to participate in uh, this this uh, accelerator over in Silicon Valley called Headstream, which is partnered with the Melinda Gates Initiative, Pivotal Ventures. So we ended up being introduced to this whirlwind of amazing mental health activists who are all on this mission to make the internet a better place for young people. So to create mental health standards, to make safe places online for disadvantaged communities or or minorities, to, to make this whole new understanding of the internet and mental health. And honestly, like Headstream the whole community like it's just been extraordinary it's it's been it's been that special sounds amazing oh, can you t- tell me more about them because I'll, I'll tell you what maybe maybe because of the year that 2020 was and maybe because of a recognition that we're we're just beginning to come out of it we can see the end of it mm-hmm. and my biggest question for myself and for other people is that well who do we want to be now you know yeah. look at what we've come through we have a chance to take a breath and say, do you know what? Who do we want to be? Because yeah. I'm not convinced that who we were was the most healthy thing for the world and for us as humans. Uh, and one of the things in that question is what we do with the internet mm-hmm. and how we use, how we, we can use online tools in magnificent ways as you're demonstrating. But there just seems to be a world there that really needs talked about. Mm-hmm. So what, so what did you call these people? Head? Headstream. So wow. Headstream Accelerator. And it is so cool. Like, honestly, these guys are, um, they're my heroes. They're such an amazing organization. They run like water-based accelerators, clean water initiatives. They yeah. do space technology. They're, they're honestly the coolest group ever. And basically, they just want to make the internet a better place for young people. And their whole mission is to focus on the mental health of minority and disadvantaged communities. And then also creating this safe space because, you know, when we, like, I didn't necessarily grow up on my mobile phone. I I didn't get my first smartphone until I was like 15 or 16. Yeah. But I look at my younger cousins and they're on smartphones from the day they're born. Like they, they're just messing with them and, and they're growing up in an environment where technology is a part of their education. It's a part of their worlds. 
And it's so important that we act proactively to make sure that they understand that this, this whole world of the internet is, it has its dangers, it has its limitations and how to be intelligent using it. So, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're so sparking. Cool. Oh, listen, that's just, I wish, <laughs> again, I, I wish people could have seen your face when you were talking about them uh, because like, it's, it was just obvious you've had the time of your life with these people. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh yeah, these guys are doing amazing stuff. You are also doing amazing stuff. Uh, <laughs> please, like, don't stop. We're coming near the end of our chat, sadly, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I want to ask you a, a few more things because mm-hmm. you have... Uh, you've taken a problem in Ireland by the scruff of its neck. You have shown that there can be like uh, women in tech and young entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're, hit, you're like you're crossing all of those boundaries. You're pushing all of those doors, and you're flying through them. And you've been a real example uh, to a lot of people. And you're doing really important work. So listen. Uh, this is, you know, keeping it good, the good summer podcast, and we want to stay connected with you and everything. Keep happy, dolls. We're always going to be fans of you guys and what you're doing. Uh, so, one of the things you've talked about is gratitude. So, we are thankful for you. Tell us some of the things that today you are thankful for. What, what would you be writing down in your gratitude notes today? Um, well, I had an amazing cup of coffee earlier. I went out for a walk and got a cup of coffee and I always think gratitude. Sometimes we look too big. Sometimes you just have to appreciate the little moments. Yeah. But I'm so grateful to be able to go outside and enjoy the fresh air. Yeah. And I'm also so grateful for the Good Summit because I know three years ago was when the first time I met you. But you know, it's been an extraordinary adventure and it's so exciting that Ireland is at the forefront of creating social change. Like having a platform like the Good Summit to stand up and shout that tech for good, that social innovation, social entrepreneurship can change the world. Like Mm -hmm. we're a tiny island in the middle of the sea. Like it's so cool that we are the platform for change and that's all thanks to everyone in the Good Summit. So really you guys should be proud of yourselves. Thank you. Thank you. I know you're you're, you're going to set me off. Let me say a really sincere thank you for talking with us today. It has been an absolute treat. And I know the people listening uh, will be inspired by by your words as well. Thank you for the teaching. And thank you uh, just for the inspiration and for the joy that you bring. Emma Louise, do not ever stop. Thank you so much. Thank you as well. It's been great. This has been the Good Summit podcast. Brought to you in conjunction with Forfi. It was produced by Lee McMahon with Eva McNulty for the Good Summit. Music was provided by the fabulous Ian Archer. Stay connected with us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Good Summit and find out all you need to know on www.thegoodsummit.com and come back and join us again next time. Till then, go forth, do some good. Peace to you and to the world. world.